Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Jeff Bentley chased and dropped in the 15 yard line. Roquan, the chef, Smith. <laughs> Roquan Smith, he's the highlight show of this defense. In the ring, Steamboat's got him up. A slam. Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, also Instagram, IGJHood. Still to come this half hour, we're going to hear from Jesse Rogers. Jesse covers the Chicago Cubs for ESPN.com. Also, we will have summer football. We'll hear from Jerry Azuma, his thoughts about the upcoming season. Jerry, former Chicago Bear, and uh, we'll find out his thoughts about what we can expect from the Bears and the NFC North as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank studios. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, M's in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. First Midwest Bank. Bank with momentum. So we'll hear from Jesse coming up about 15 minutes from now here on ESPN 1000. We'll get his thoughts about the Cubs and their victory against the Pirates. Game one of the uh, second half of the season for the Cubs. Can they establish momentum uh, in the second half? A big question that's on the table because of unusual circumstances with this Cubs team, right? Unusual. You're coming in 48-43 and 43 after the win today. And it's a very crowded National League Central, and the pressure is on. Pressure bus pipes. It does. Because as good as this team is, and maybe I might be the only one. I might be the only lone baseball fan that's watching Cubs baseball and believing that the core of the team is good. But there are some that are looking at this saying, no, no, this is not right now. Here's the thing. The Cubs are not in a position where you're going to blow up the team. What you're trying to do is you're trying to add the team. But the one thing I will not believe is that the Cubs are like a Ben Zobrist away or just a piece or two away, a David Ross away, or, um, or a Tommy LaStella, who's injured right now, away from being a contender again. Some teams have the magic. The Twins have the magic in the American League Central. The Dodgers have the magic in the American League West. The Cubs had that magic once, and they are looking like they did last year. Maybe not as bad. If you do remember last year, in the second half, this team struggled to score even three runs a game. 
in the second half. They had a hard time being able to get runs across the board. And you know whose fault it was? It wasn't Madden. wasn't Theo and Jed. It was Chili Davis, the hitting coach. And it's like, uh, really? You're going to go with the old hitting coach is the problem? Launch angle and philosophy is the problem? So what's the problem now? I still believe in the core, but if the core underachieves, it's on those players. You know, because think about the argument that you might be having with other Cub fans. Is the argument, well, you know, the the Cubs just don't have enough depth to be able to be as good as some of the other teams in the National League. Well, what about the core players? Who wouldn't want Baez? Who wouldn't want Wilson Contreras? Who wouldn't want Rizzo and Bryant? That's the thing. No excuses when you have won a World Series, you're in the 90-win threshold, and you should be contending. No excuses. We'll see what happens in the second half. I just know what's going to happen. If the Cubs underachieve, I don't see a path forward for Madden to come back in 2020. And that in itself is bizarre. I want you to think about this. Joe Madden could be out of a job in 2020 if the team is not to the liking of Theo Epstein. And some of the things that Theo could have done to be able to change the fortunes of the team, it's going to be on him on the train deadline to see what he can do to improve the team. Or when you're adding more players as we get closer to September, what what moves can he make to be able to enhance the chances for the Cubs to have staying power in the playoffs? A lot of questions, man. A lot of questions. So that, But the whole thing with Quinville, I always think about that because no matter the disconnect between Bowman and Quinville, Joel Quinville and all the championships that are over there but with the Blackhawks, there's no way that he should be coaching the Florida Panthers now. You make it work. You're trying to make it work. There's a GM and there's a head coach. The head coach has his role. The GM in the front office has their role. Make it work. Especially after you've had success. Are the Hawks and the Cubs the same? <sighs> well, I guess not because the Hawks are the winningest team in the city right now. And ha- has been over a 10-year stretch. <laughs> they not, may not be doing well the last couple of years, but you, if you're looking for the championships, you go to the Blackhawks. Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. And then looking at the White Sox start of the ledger. Now, the Chicago White Sox. How about that? When I look at this White Sox team now, okay, so they're going to ready to take on the A's for a three-game series, and they're going to take on Kansas City uh, for a four-game set starting on Monday. Now, when you see the team, no matter the core that you may like, the Tim Andersons and the Abreus and Moncada, and when you look at that, that core, along with what McCann's brought and Giolito's brought, here's the thing about the White Sox. It is unexpected for them to be even this good in a uh, very average American league. I'll, I'll give you, if you haven't seen the standings, the Chicago White Sox are a couple of games under 500, right? So the Sox are 42-44. and 44. Yes, they're 12 and a half games behind Minnesota, who's a juggernaut. No one's going to catch the Twins. And the Indians underachieved. And the Tigers only have 28 wins. I never thought that the Sox would have 42 wins and the Tigers have 28. Royals are going to be bad anyway. They're 30-61. and 61. Didn't know the Sox would be 42-44 and 44 and the Tigers would be this bad. Bad. Like 20, when you're in the 20s, that's pretty awful. But that's where you, you are in the Central. So... Then you go to the wild card, and in the first half, that's one of the things, and I never look at the standings until after Memorial Day, but you couldn't have to take a peek. You just say, eh, let's see where they are. 
Now, they're not in the position to go to the playoffs. Come on, you and I both know this, right? I mean, they'd have to have a rocket up their ass to be able to get to the top of the, the standings in the wild card for them to be a playoff team. But they're seven games behind. Tampa Bay is on top in that wild card hunt with the Indians and then the A's. Uh, and then the, the Sox are seven games behind. But man, it, it's intriguing because the team has some parts that are intriguing. I talked to Jim Margulis from Sox Machine about a number of things with this uh, White Sox team. Uh, I asked him his thoughts about the, his excitement for the second half. You can see the pillars there with uh, up the middle with Anderson and uh, with, well, Makata's out the middle anymore. Left side of the infield, I should say, Makata at third. McCann at catcher, hanging around for another year at the very least. And he seems like somebody who could be an extension candidate if the White Sox really think that uh, his success is here to stay and it's more than just getting very lucky with uh, some of his contact and, and having balls find uh, open spots in the outfield. Uh, you know, there's a possibility there. So, you know, add in Eloy and Abreu and you got more than half a lineup there. And uh, the, the cost of free agents is coming down. So maybe you can supplement that even if, uh, you know, as they showed with Manny Machado and, and so forth, they aren't really willing to swim at the, uh, in, in the deepest end of this free agent pool. But, Maybe they can be a bit more aggressive with upgrading the team with smaller through smaller measures, but uh, it's just the pitching staff right now. I think is really the toughest puzzle. But even if Cease is up, you have Giolito, you have Cease, uh, Rodon at the second half if he's able to come back. Uh, second half of 2020, I should say. Um, you know, Nova's a free agent and, and not pitching that well to stay around. It's uh, Lopez is uh, right now looking like a better bullpen candidate. Uh, I, I still think you should get the full season, but right now there's you see like maybe one and a half starters, and then you're hoping on Tommy John surgery fixing the rest of it. So, I guess that's where my enthusiasm runs out a little bit. Is just having you know it's really hard to uh, provide enough offense to cover that many innings. So thoughts there from Jim Margulis about his excitement for the second half. You know he didn't mention he didn't mention Andy Mazur on the radio side. I'm also excited for Andy Mazur. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much better booth with Mazur in there. What about the excitement for that? It's a much better booth. Right, exactly. Anyway, yes, it was a shot. Um, and the other thing is about Jose Abreu. So Jim was talking about that from Sox Machine about Abreu. What to do with Abreu? Uh, do you give a new contract or not? Han and the White Sox seem to have some kind of agreement or at least uh, understanding with Abreu because when they asked about his future, he, you know, Han came out and said that seems like it's very likely they'll be able to uh, have Abreu around while the good part of the rebuild gets here. Mm-hmm. And usually Han is not that uh, forthcoming when it comes to impending free agents, especially like Avi was on the same timeline. And he was very circumspect when they came to Avi and didn't really commit to anything, and sure enough, they non-tendered him. But uh, with Abreu, it seems like they're, you know, maybe it's the comfort there. Maybe it's uh, Abreu, you know, the White Sox being the only stateside team he knows, and uh, having no real desire to test the market. But, yeah, I, I guess at this point, given how the White Sox are, um, you know, seem comfortable with extending him, I, I figured it might have been done already, but maybe the comfort is to such a great extent that uh, they really are fine waiting until, you know, after the, the season's over into the off season when something needs to be done. Davis, you're never agreeing with me about this Renteria thing. You don't, you'd never, when I talk about Renteria, you just stare at me. How many times do you want to do this to this guy in Chicago, man? (laughs) I mean, we're talking about Joe being on the hot seat, being available once again. They possibly, White Sox wouldn't do that to him a second time. They couldn't. They should. (laughs) (laughs) 
Why do you stare at me when I talk about Renteria? I don't want him on the White Sox. You're a Sox fan. You know that there's a need for an upgrade, do you not? I just want you to be nice about it. We want the same thing. You just have to be nicer about it. That's all. <clears throat> uh, the reason why that I'm not nice about it is because, well, <laughs> you've produced the show enough to know that I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I don't do nice very often. I don't do very. I don't do nice. I figure I'd be, I want to be different from everybody else around here, so I don't do nice very often because you know why? Because of my investment in the team. I want what's best for the White Sox. Reverse psychology, huh? You know, you know, Kenny's listening. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's why I that's why I go uh, 120 miles an hour in the White Sox when it comes to that guy (laughs) because I know Kenny's listening. He can't help it. He was born with rabbit ears, apparently. So so Jim was Jim Margulis from Sox Machine was talking to me about Renteria, and I I believe that the White Sox have to upgrade that position once the team gets good. Again, if you're watching the White Sox on a regular basis, there's some things there, and I think you said it for any manager. You say that for, for Dave Roberts, you say that for Rocco Baldella, you can say that for any manager. But the point is is that it's okay to upgrade the position. This, if the Cubs did it, why can't the White Sox do it? When the Sox get good, could you imagine Rick Renneria as the manager of the team? It's okay to have an A to B guy until you can find the guy that you want. There's a guy on Major League Baseball Network right now with a suit and a tie that's looking itching to manage, and his name is Joe Girardi. I don't care how he treats the media, can he make the team better? That's the thing. He's been waiting for a couple of years after the Yankees spot to, to manage again. And so why can't he manage the White Sox? Some thoughts now from Jim Margulis about Renteria's status. You know, to his credit, I think he's done a very good job of not letting this losing get to the clubhouse. Uh, you know, he's had a very good report with his players. He hasn't been a total pushover. And uh, you haven't heard of any flare-ups, anybody uh, you know, uh, talking behind his back. You don't hear of any discord in the clubhouse. So I think he's really good at that part. He's really good at keeping open communication lines and not throwing guys under the bus. Uh, I think it does put him in corners where he has to defend awful players. Sometimes he you know, tries to coach teams to win himself by bunting too much or maybe switching too many pitchers. But I, I think he's in a tough spot just by the roster he's given, just by the um, amount of losing he's been asked to oversee. And that's why I guess I'm a little bit more sympathetic to Renteria. I do have my concerns. Just you know, I, I think he's not the greatest when it comes to uh, prioritizing runs or having a, a big picture of, of what works when it comes to scoring runs and strategy to that regard. But I think when it comes to the talent kind of stuff, uh, with like Jose Rondon going to the wrong base, is that because Jose Rondon is not coached well, or is it because Jose Rondon is a triple-A player, and he's here because the White Sox don't have anybody better. Now with Anderson spraining his ankle, we might see more of him. Uh, it's really hard to separate manager from talent sometimes, and that's where I sympathize. But uh, I do wish that the White Sox didn't extend Renteria. They used this as a tiebreaker year between his very encouraging rookie season and the, the, the setbacks he had last year to really understand what kind of manager he is. But given that it's the White Sox and that they're super loyal, it's kind of I kind of guess take the mindset that there's really no point in fighting it because he's going to be here no matter what. <sighs> the Chicago so, White Sox. How yes. about that? Thank you, Mel. Yes, Heard what he said, right? Yeah. He's going to be here no matter what. Nah, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I don't. I don't think he's going to be here no matter what. I just think that's you can upgrade the position. Don't you know? <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. You can rehab a car. 
And but if your floor mats and your interior sucks, then why even rehab the outside of the car? The outside of the car looks good for the white cycle. It's young, it's fresh, it's new. So rehab the inside. The inside would be Renteria. Get rid of the inside and put a new interior on the inside. Now you got a brand new car. Now wouldn't you agree that you have to go out and make the big splash move for the pitching staff? Get a stud starting pitcher to make it more attractive? Or do you think this position or this team is already attractive to a really good manager? No, the, the former. The former. What you said before. Because I'm waiting for my John Lester. Right? I mean, this is how it starts. You can build through the farm. But you, eventually you have to be able to get that one fish that says, yeah, we're going to pay you through the nose because we need a number one starter. Because, you know, I don't know what Giolito is. Some already want to claim that he's a second or third starter, but who who knows? See if you get a first one, then you can determine what Giolito is. So you got to be able to do that here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This hour of our program is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Experience true custom and get the suit that you really want. Go to EnzoCustom.com. That's EnzoCustom.com. Schedule an appointment and get $50 off by telling them Tom Waddle sent you. We turn now to Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN Chi Cubs. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jesse, as always, I appreciate your time as the Cubs win against the Pirates. Boy, that win was exactly what the doctor ordered, huh? Yeah, it really did. Maybe the break will do them well. Obviously, they're great at home, so it's it's just a, a great way to start the second half. Uh, they take that lead. They have to overcome some adversity when Stroke gives up that home run. But Jason Hayward had a hell of a game. He's having a hell of a year. He played great defense in right. Um, some line drives hit right at him. Not easy to judge. And the sun, obviously, at Wrigley Field at this time of year, it's tough late in the day. And then uh, he comes through with a big hit in the eighth inning. So, Really good start by you, Darvish. Really good finish by Craig Kimbrell. Just the one hiccup by Stroke, but that's going to happen. So, yeah, you are right. It was a great win. That's I can make the argument that that is the best Darvish I've seen all year. I can compare it to the Los Angeles Dodgers game in, in which he pitched. That was pretty good, too. Really good uh, pitching duel there. But I think I can make the argument that this is the best we've seen from Darvish in 2019. Yeah, you can. You can. It was right there. He said he's felt better. Uh, but the results here were, were as good as you're going you're gonna to get out of him. Um, he really is coming on. Uh, that was just a great outing match, and Chris Archer pitch for pitch. Um, had a lot of things working for him. You saw the swings and misses. You saw the movement on his breaking ball. As long as his fastball is where it needs to be, this guy can do a lot. I mean, if this is a, a sort of foreshadowing of his second half, wow, this could be real interesting out of him. So, uh, and he wanted the ball today. He talked about that. He really wanted to. He wants to pitch as many games as he can after not pitching many last year. And he knows it can be tough out of the break for guys, uh, whether it be hitters or pitchers. And he was mentally prepared for this one. That's a great sign for him just all over. I mean, just overall, he was just great today. So um, what a beginning for, for you, Darvish, in his second half here. Jesse, I want to talk to you a little bit about your piece you had on ESPN.com. It wasn't a good piece. It was a great piece because it really gave you an insight of what the Cubs have to work on here for the second half, what we've seen in the first half, and uh, and what could happen at the end of the season. The One of the quotes that struck me was from Theo Epstein. One thing about Theo, uh, he, won't, he won't keep it close to the vest. He'll tell you what's on his mind. And, and so this one quote of this group has been together for a long time. So sometimes the same message isn't as effective and it's an incumbent on all of us to find whether it's transactional, finding different combinations or as a coaching staff, giving a different message to get most of what we're looking for. 
that's that's a that's a mouthful number one but but number two when you say the message isn't as as effective um could that be would you agree with that when it comes to madden for his time here in chicago well and this is why i led the story with the results at the end of the season will inform us of that that's the beauty of of sports Sure. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, how how can we judge a message? That is something that's in the air, right? How do you judge a message day to day? It's really difficult. You judge it over the long haul and, and, and the results. And that's why, I, again, led that piece with we will know at the end of this year if that message is stale or not. A, a season doesn't end at the All-Star break. But so far, the things that a manager, in my opinion, can control, the Cubs have not succeeded at. Some of that might be. Uh, because of the schedule, we'll find out shortly. They were a little bit fatigued last month, and it showed up on the bases, at the plate, on defense. Some of these things, or a lot of them, I think are under the purview of the manager. But uh, the story isn't completely written yet. It is a tough division, so don't look at the total, the, the win total. That's not how you're going to judge Madden. You're going to judge Madden if they're the last man standing in this division, and then we'll deal with the playoffs when they come. So, uh, yeah, I mean... It, the, the, the message has a potential to be stale. We're not quite there with the final um, uh, analysis on that just yet, Jay Hood. That's uh, the name of your next book, The Message, when Madden's out of here. <laughs> because, because, because and I said this yesterday, as we talked to Jesse Rogers with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I mentioned this yesterday before the whole Westbrook thing blew up. I started the show talking about how this situation with the Cubs and Madden is different than Pinella, different from Baker, different from Riggleman. You know, when we talk about the message, Joe Madden to me has a lot of Ozzie like qualities where, again, three meetings uh, all season. He, he's very good with the media, almost takes the pressure off a lot of the players because he loves to talk, loves to talk about baseball, you know, has a personality. But this situation seems different than the other managers that you and I have covered or watched over the years with the Cubs, isn't it? Well, none of them have won as much as him. So it's a weird situation. If the guy comes up one game short of the postseason and they make it four out of five and miss by one game, he might be gone. He's likely gone. So it's a weird situation that the bar has been raised so high that he might lose his job. Even if he missed the playoffs by five games, he still made it four out of five years. It's just that the last year and two months won't won't be satisfactory. And that's that's how you're judged when you're – it's almost like a free agent. You know, he's got to have the big year in his final season to get that big contract. And it's seemingly the same case here with Joe. So, I mean, it, it, we can't even compare Joe to those other guys because it, 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 it's Joe is heads and way better than them. He just is. The results show it, and, and his, his, the length of his career, having the success he's had over the length of his career shows it. But that has nothing to do with this year and this moment in time. Um, he's got to win the division, do something special to come back. I think we all agree with that. Do you believe that there is a disconnect still between Madden and Epstein as far as the way Madden handles his team? And I don't mean just in a general sense, just the, the intricacies of the game. Because you remember at the end of the season last year, there's things Epstein pointed out, like, you know, two out of three ain't bad. We got to get rid of that. We've got to get better with base running. We got to. I wonder how Epstein feels about Madden today versus at the end of last season. Um, I think it's similar. I think it's similar, and that's the point of all the things that he said uh, last week, Theo. Is that same message getting stale? I think the one disconnect, you asked about a disconnect, the one disconnect, and there's, I don't think there's many, much more than one. I think it, it, it comes down to the, that whole urgency thing that Theo talked about, 
and giving away games. I, Joe has pushed back on that idea. I think they disagree on that whole notion. And, I mean, the answer might be in the, in, in, in the nuance of it all because I don't think Theo meant it as um, a football mentality. You've got to treat every game like it's a season in itself. He knows better than that. But it sort of came across that way. Uh, and I think it's, it, in some ways it's understandable because, you know, he's, he's, he told me in spring training the underrated story of this season will be the parity in the National League and especially the, especially the Central. And he's been proven right. And so I think he was trying to lay the groundwork for the Cubs to, be, to make sure they were ready to play, especially within the division. And they're just about 500 in the division, that, so it remains to be seen if they've been ready to play or not. But I think that was the disconnect. And, Joe, I mean, any manager is probably going to push back on, on anybody that infers their team isn't ready to play every night or gave away games. Joe has never agreed with that. So that's a little disconnect, and that disconnect might just come from their jobs. One guy's up in the front office, the other guy's down in the dugout in the heat of the battle, and they may just disagree on that. But mostly, I think, philosophically, they're, they're aligned. doesn't mean they they're agree with everything that happens day to day. But for the most part, they're aligned. That was the one thing that I found is a disconnect, though. Jesse, is there anything that that stands out most for you about Kyle Schwarber's season? Because I'm not going to go back and forth with you about about the leadoff spot. The leadoff spot is, is what it's going to be, whatever Joe wants to do. But we just you got a 317 on base percentage. You got a guy who went 0 for 4. He's hitting 224. I mean, that's that's not great. I'm wondering about what's between the ears of Schwarber, how he feels a day-to-day uh, out there because yeah. they, they need him. Yeah, I mean, they need him to get on base. That's the, that's the thing that bothers me. He's been slugging enough, but he's not getting on base enough. He's not taking as many walks as, as we're used to seeing. There's a guy that really hadn't mastered the strike zone when he came up to the majors, and, you know, he, it comes and goes for him. So, I mean, mentally, I think he's okay. I mean, I know he likes playing as much as he is, so that's good, but he really hasn't completely gotten to a rhythm. Um, you know, I think we all hold him to this high 2015-16 standard, and um, he hasn't lived up to that. But he has lived up to contributing, that's for sure. So uh, I think he'd like to have a better season. I'd like to see him get on base more. I think that's important for him. He hasn't done that enough, um, especially this year in the leadoff role. So it is what it is. But I, I, I you know, I think mentally he's okay. He just like to be a little bit, uh, like to be on base a little bit more. And I think everybody watching would which is the same. Jesse, uh, with it being summertime, people need to sit out on the pool and be able to sit back and have a nice book, you know, read it up, you know, open it up, you know, just kind of get immersed into some reading. Do you have any suggestions for poolside reading? Well, uh, there's a nice bio on Joe Madden that uh, I think you could pick up uh, and, and bring to the pool any day the rest of the summer. It's called Try Not to Suck, the definitive bio on Joe Madden and his career going back to his days with the Angels, as a player in the minors, high school. I mean, we go way back with Joe Madden. So what you think you know of Joe Madden, you're going to learn a lot more because uh, he did have a life before Chicago. Yes, yes, he did. Amazon Books, we can pick that out, can you not? Amazon and your local bookstore, my friend. Thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> You've Next never con- done that. <laughs> <laughs> Next conversation we'll have, we'll find out how the Cubs can get Zach Grinky. We'll talk about that coming up next time we have a conversation. You got it, Jay Hood. Take care. I tried to show him. You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yep. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show him. And the ESPN app. Yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Younger Flame here in sickle mode. <laughs> 
listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're with me here on this Friday night. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. I will follow you back on Snapchat. Also on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. Reminding you, if you are a wrestling fan, yes, you, or, or if you know of a pro wrestling fan slash sports entertainment, I got some for you. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Every Tuesday night at 9.30, we give you the best in pro wrestling talk. Nobody else is doing it. On the AM band, no one else is giving you sports talk conversation uh, regarding pro wrestling like we do here for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It has its own podcast as well. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. That way you can download the podcast. We've had some terrific guests on. Um, We've been talking about the WWE. It's a busy weekend for pro wrestling this weekend. It always is, but this one in particular is a couple of major events happening. So we're covering that as well as had some terrific guests on. So Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood, wherever you download your podcasts, and also we air every Tuesday night at 9.30. But if you can't catch the show on ESPN 1000, definitely go to the podcast, Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. It's right there for you. Um, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast, Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Glad that you're with me here on this Friday night. Um, So... As we've been talking about this, there's a lot of conversation about Joe Madden and whether or not Joe Madden is going to be with the Cubs for the long haul. I think it's ridiculous that Joe does not have a new deal, should have had a new deal in place after the World Series championship. But, hey, that's just me. Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer are doing business the way they want to do business, and that's fine. I just hope it's not for the detriment of the team. That's the thing. As a Cubs fan, you, I'm sure you want to see the team be able to uh, be in the stratosphere for a while here. 90-plus wins, getting the playoffs, a chance for the World Series. But Joe Madden is dancing for his uh, career right now with the Cubs. No contract, and everything's predicated on what's going to happen this year. Well, this has been a conversation that's gone on even on NBC Sports Chicago on uh, on the post-game live show going back to the 7th of July. I remember um, David DeJesus, he's actually on here, um, Frank Thomas and Isaac Ian, they're chopping up going back and forth about Joe Madden. The four games over 500 going into the All-Star break, something's going to change and something has to change. You know, but Ozzy, I think the job of the manager is to know your guys. You knew your guys, so you know that saying something, pushing them, they will respond to that. I think Joe Madden knows his guys, mm-hmm. but it's up to the guys to do it. It's really? up to the guys. It's, 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 it's I don't want you to say Joe Madden. This is not Joe Madden's problem right well, now. Was, this is internally with yeah, the ball players. Yeah. This is not Joe Madden. When yeah, I was manager, Joe Madden's excellent manager. manager. I lead the league and throw the guys under the bus. Exactly. But they know who they got. Exactly. Joe mm-hmm. Madden, I, I said that yesterday. Joe Madden, it's been Joe Madden from the first day mm-hmm. to right now. Exactly. What's the difference between Joe Madden last week? Same and guy. Yes. Same guy, same move, same way he talk, no panic. All of a sudden, wait a minute. Cup fans, put it this way. Why we panicking? Because they play terrible. Yes, they're not playing well. They're in first place. Yes. Sorry. They yes. continue to play like that for the rest of the season. You finish first place, that's the only thing that matters. Right. Because you can be played great and finish last. Mm-hmm. And you play bad. And you in your first place, just enjoy a little bit there in first place. But the problem is, all right, they finish in first place, but it's playing against the Dodgers. I mean, the, the thing is to go to the World Series and win the World Series. I do not see with that lineup, with that talent they have, they can compete with the Dodgers now, or anyone from the But you know, we're not seeing it now. But you yeah. don't know 
in next two months what kind right. of ball club they're going to have. Exactly. Now, they now they're not going to beat the Browns when exactly. Aussie thing is and only thing is. <laughs> but you don't know. The talent is there, guys. Yeah. Yep. Every yep. five days, they got the best staff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now you go line up man by man. You might suffer mm -hmm. a little bit on second base. They don't have a second baseman the way they should be. They don't have a set of field the, the way we want to have. And sure, but I think, leave it alone. You know what I mean? That's, that's why they have to leave it alone because you get good at bat. Mm -hmm. You keep this ball club to any manager, he will take it. Yeah. With that style of rotation, <laughs> and with Krimbo, 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 the dead, 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 you know, the dangle. They take it. No. They take it. Here it is. Well, there it is. Some, so a great conversation there because it's kind of like maybe what you and I are talking about with Joe Madden. Some say, look at the record. He, it's not on him. The Asus, the Asus with a comment talking about he knows his ball club, all that. It's interesting. It's something that's been talked about a lot of what's happening with Joe Madden. Could he be let go in season? Something that Jesse suggested to me around the 4th of July, right before the All-Star break, that he said he would not be surprised if it happens. All I know is this. Is that any time that you make a decision, you make a change, it better be uh, the right deal. If you're going to make a change, make sure it's something that enhances the ball club and not something that's a band-aid for the ball club. All right, it's time to take a look into what the Bears could be looking like in Bourbon A and for the rest of the regular season. It's time, my friends, for the summer of football. The summer of football. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. With Jonathan Hood. Come on, baby, let's get it. Fun and we're working, baby. Pressure now on Mahomes. He's in trouble. Now gets it away. Are you kidding me? Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Standard bounds. And Barkley takes it all the way. Summer of football. Lawrence flips it open. Justin Ross off and running. And Clemson strengthens its grip on this championship game. Williams in the game for the first time this year for Notre Dame. Takes the hand off and takes off. The summer of football. You got it working right here on ESPN 1000. I think we ain't done yet. And the ESPN app. Every night we give you something football. We are proud to be the first show on ESPN 1000 every summer to give you the football conversation that you want. Could be college, could be pro, could be fantasy. You just never know when it comes to summer of football. And tonight we talked to a former Chicago Bear, Jerry Azuma. And this portion of Under the Hood and Summer Football is brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Join Coach Fitz in the Big Ten West Division champions at Ryan Field this fall when they host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale at nusports.com, nusports.com. So here we are now, ready for Summer of Football. I got a chance to talk to former Chicago Bear great Jerry Azuma, and I asked him his thoughts about the Bears and what we can look at in the NFC North. Hey, and I said, Jerry, you know, you've been around. I've been seeing him in the city going to baseball games. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my fiance is basically a huge White Sox fan. She grew up on the uh, south side of Chicago. So um, she goes to a lot of the games, and I've just been kind of joining her. And I live on the north side now, so I go to the Cubs games as well. So it's baseball season. 
and we've just been doing that a lot lately. Oh, I know that you spent time uh, with your teammates for the uh, the celebration for the Chicago Bears, Bears 100. That looked like that was a lot of fun, just to be, up, be back with your teammates and a lot of stories, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, amazing time. You know, got to see a lot of guys that I played with that don't live in the area that kind of flew in for this. Um, and just to be in a room full of greatness, you know, and, and rich uh, history and tradition. You know, all the Hall of Famers were there, um, guys from the 85 Bears. Um, all the present guys were there as well. So it was a great combination of old and new. And uh, just to be in that room was just fantastic. Did some of the newer Bears talk to you? I, I understand that was a problem where there was kind of this awkwardness from some of them uh, wanting to pick the brains of the veterans. I mean, it's like just because you play today doesn't mean you have all the answers. It's always good to be able to you know, find more information uh, about some of the veterans if you're a young player, right? Yeah, for for sure, for sure. And there was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of interaction um, from the old guys um, to the new guys. So um, the room was real, like, comfortable. Um, everybody went up and kind of introduced themselves and just got to, you know, chit-chat and learn a little bit more about, about each other. So it was a really, really cool environment. Anybody in the on the Bears defense you got a chance to talk to? Maybe somebody in secondary, show them a few moves? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can show anybody any any moves nowadays. <laughs> but um, you know, one of my favorite players, obviously, is uh, Kyle Fuller. Um, last year, he stepped up tremendously and uh, got the job done, um, making the Pro Bowl as well, and you know, making his mark on on the Bears defense. So um, it was really good to uh, connect with him. Um, and also, you know, Mac is is obviously the man, and you know what he brings to the Chicago Bears defense is extremely special. Jerry Azuma with Jonathan Hood on the Summer of Football on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as we just count down the days to Bourbon A. Jerry, um, the Bears last season, many were just disappointed because you saw how the Bears were clicking, especially on the defensive side of the football. And again, a missed kick uh, still sticks in the craw of a lot of Bears fans. But what were your overall thoughts on how the Bears performed last year? I think they outperformed. Um I don't think there there was a lot of like big expectations for the Bears, um, but you know once they started going, we just saw that the potential that they could have, and you know they just took one game at a time and just basically did the, the necessary things to win games. Um, whether it's a whether they had to grind it out or whether they had to you know kind of shoot it out, they just did the necessary things to win. Defensively, they stepped up. Um, they were creating turnovers all over the place. And, uh, you know, with the addition of Mac, I mean, that just kind of elevated everyone's play because everyone wanted to be the next one to make a play. So um, the team had so much juice left, and the fact that it came down to um, that missed field goal to end their season was very disappointing. But, you know, it just kind of sets them up uh, for this year. Obviously, they're going to be faced with a lot of uh, tough competition, you know, a lot of uh, people that were in the playoffs. And people are going to be gunning for the Bears now. You know, they're definitely on the radar. So um, they have to just kind of, continue to take steps forward and uh, do the necessary do the necessary things to to stack up some wins and get back into the playoffs. What stood out most about the Bears defense last year? Um, you, you know, it's one thing to have Khalil Mack, but before Mack even got here, Zoom, it still was a solid defense. You know, I, yeah. I was a big fan of the defense before we got. So what did you like about what you saw defensively from the Bears? I liked how fast they were um, and, and how much pressure they put on the uh, the quarterback and, and on the offense as a whole. Um, they're a pressure defense, and they're able to create that pressure. And once you create that pressure, 
you know, good things happen for the defense, and they were able to take the ball away a lot and score a lot of points behind that and set up the the, the offense in good field position so that they can be successful. So once you put all those things together, man, like, and 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 one person wants to be the the, the person to make the next play, um, it gets very contagious, and uh, they basically just put it all together, and it was it was a great great time to watch. Zuma, I uh, am concerned about the running game for the Bears because, it, you know, here, here's what well, you can hear about Jordan Howard is, is that Jordan Howard probably wasn't the running back that Matt Nagy wanted. He wanted to have a little, someone a little bit more versatile. And I just think that uh, Jordan Howard was solid in the position that he was in. The, if you want to upgrade that position, you, you have your right as a team. I get it. But I thought that Jordan was a solid running back, and now he's not there. So how significant will that yeah. be? Uh, without having someone of a veteran presence that can, can run between the tackles if you want him to. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Howard. Um, he was a, a Pro Bowl player, so he knew how to do do his job and get the job done. Um, but this this game um, and with Nagy's offense, I think it's kind of geared towards you know just quick strikes and uh, seeing how fast we can get into the end zone. If you look all around this roster, it's just built on speed, 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 speed. And I think that he wanted to upgrade the speed part with the um, with the running back. It's going to be interesting to see how Montgomery kind of you know um, falls in line with uh, with this uh, scheme uh, because he's a rookie. This is his first year, and uh, you know there's going to be some big expectations from him as well. So um, I just think Nagy wants to kind of have that dynamic uh, running back, something a little bit more than what Jordan Howard can uh, provide, and hopefully he has it. We're going to find out what kind of back to Cohn is because I want to find out how many how many touches will he get. See, to me, this is yeah. not a traditional running back. This is a gadget back. And, and mm-hmm. there's value in that, too, because he's got the speed and he's got the shiftiness. But in the mm-hmm. traditional sense, as someone who played the position, by the way, we got, always got to remember that. Yeah, long time ago. Long time ago. We got to make sure we let everyone know that Azuma actually was going to be a great running back, but, you know. They uh, the Bears saw something different, um, but I I want to see um, just how the running back position will be run out uh, again in this offense. It, it is about going down the field. It's about side to side as we saw last year. But the, you know, especially when the weather gets bad, there's still value running the ball. I don't think that Tariq is that back, but I think maybe it's it's running back by committee. All, all I want is this. Yeah, I, think I, it will I, be. I, I Well, here's what I want. If 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 you can't surpass what Jordan Howard did offensively I'm not going to be I'm not going to be happy because you have someone that could, could have got the job done for you so hopefully right. they can be able to surpass what Jordan did yeah I, I agree with you on that um you know you know you don't want them taking steps backwards you know in the uh, backfield so you want to take steps forward obviously but um you know one thing I noticed is that Trubisky doesn't play under the center a lot. You know, he's out the shotgun position. And uh, I think Jordan Howard is the type of back where if you're under center and you hand the ball off to him deep in the backfield, he can kind of create and run downhill, you know, um, in the offense. Where this offense now, it's it's kind of out of a uh, shotgun and, and there's underneath handoffs and things like that. So it shortens down that, that time, that run game time. Um, and I just see that kind of being like the problem that Jordan Howard – probably had and I think that Nagy wanted to address that and and get somebody that can basically be that gadget type of player so I think Tariq Cohen is going to have to step up really big in this offense 
Um, he's, his name's going to be called a lot. But um, it's going to come down to see what Montgomery can do. Um, they have big expectations for him. They think that he can you know, run down the middle of the football field uh, between the tackles and, and do some damage. And hopefully that's the case. Jerry Azuma with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, can you kick? Uh, can you can you be a, a help to the kicking game? <laughs> Sir, I cannot be a help to the kicking game. <laughs> you, uh, I don't. I don't believe you. I think that as an all around athlete, I mean, you ran the ball, you played in the secondary. Why can't you help the kicking game? It is something that needs help, and I don't know why you won't help your yeah. own team. Yeah, I, I just can't do it anymore. But hopefully, they can address that problem this year. Um, you know, it was deflating because I was at that game, too, at the playoff oh. game against the Eagles. And it was just deflating just seeing that missed kick. I mean, there was a glaring problem, obviously, with with this team. And that was their kicking game. And it kicked them in the butt eventually. <laughs> but um, hopefully they got that thing cleared up. And uh, the, we won't make any uh, type of excuses that we don't have a kicker again. So here's what was mad, maddening about it, right? So... It's one thing to lose the game because that kick, and he was un- he underachieved all season. He was not good. Right, right. Dude ran to the Today Show. That was a problem for sure. Yeah, but then he went to the Today Show and talked talk to Hoda Kotb uh, and talked to her yeah. and just like and cried on her shoulder about his misfortune. And it's like, nah, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have done that. Um, it was a little strange to see that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that was that was weird. Um, how you going? How you going to hold it to tell your tell your problems? How does that happen? Yeah, that's. I have no no comment on that one. I, I just <laughs> I'm blank. I'm blank on that one. That was just weird. If you were his teammate, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be happy about that. Tell me, I'm right. I mean, I'd probably have a little talk with him, but uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody'd be happy in that situation. Um, you know, there's a way to to, to handle it, but going on the uh, the show. And doing it that way, I don't know if that was the right way to do it. No, it was not. No, sir. It was not the right way. No, it was not. I don't know what he was trying to prove there, but I was not. I mean, it's, hey, you feel bad for yeah, him. Yeah, I don't then. know what he was looking for. It was, it was weird. <laughs> I know it was. Um, what, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Bears, uh, Zoom? Do you think it's, is it always the Packers or is it the Vikings who I thought the Vikings would be able to get to the mountaintop last year. I thought all I needed was a quarterback, mm-hmm. and you saw what the Bears did against Cousins uh, and the Vikings. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you see the division in that regard? Well, I think the division is getting better. I think the Lions can be really sneaky. I think um, the Vikings, when they're ready to play, they can be very dominant, especially on defense. And then they have that duo, duo at wide receiver, um, and they're getting their running back uh, back as well. So they, they can be dangerous if they start clicking. But Detroit is kind of like that that team that's just like, we don't really know, and they could be dangerous as well because they have some really good players over there. And then you always have Green Bay. Now, Green Bay doesn't have the firepower that they did before, but they still have Aaron Rodgers, and he can create some things. So you have to look into the division and, and see who your who your threats are. And, you know, you just never really know. I, I think Minnesota has a shot, and, and then Detroit, and then I think Green Bay is probably the weakest link because they don't really have too much for Aaron Rodgers. Zoom, I'm looking forward to the season. I don't know about you, but I think that you got to catch lightning in the bottle now, right? Got to catch it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you, uh, you do have the Bears winning the division, do you not? I mean, I, I do. should ask you that. I do have the Bears winning the, 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 the division and then going back into the uh, playoffs, but this time winning their playoff game at home, right. <laughs> for sure. 
Okay. I want to double. I didn't want to assume because I didn't want. I didn't want to leave the the conversation. And you say, "Well, no, I actually had them as a wild card, and I think the Packers are going to win the division." Because if that's how you felt, I want to make that's sure it's never going to come out of my mouth, even <laughs> if the Packers are great. <laughs> it's never going to come out of my mouth. The Bears are going to win this division, and they're going to get into the playoffs and do some damage. And that's okay. how I see it. Okay. I just want to make sure because I didn't want to to think the opposite. I don't want to ever assume. You know, this is my business. I got to make sure I get I, you on. I record. understand. I understand. Before the wreck of the Bears, I see them in the playoffs again. For it sure. Been, and winning. It, winning you would time. You would have got headlines if you're like, you know, actually, I think the Lions will win the division. Uh, that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, been the funny. division is going to be tough. Like, the Lions yeah. have definitely stepped up. You know, Minnesota has stepped up. So, there, there's some. They're going to have to go out there and they're going to have to work. And their division, I mean, not not the division, but in the uh, the schedule, if you look at the schedule, they're playing a lot of, you know, some really high-powered teams, some teams that have been in the playoffs and have that experience. So it's going to be a battle out there. There's no, it's not going to be a, cake, a cakewalk. I mean, there's – it's out there that the Bears are going to be real good and they have to go out there and dominate and get the job done and get into the playoffs. But they can do it. They can definitely do it. Zoom, I'm glad that we were able to connect here on the Summer of Football. Can't wait for the season to start. Thanks for coming on the show, as always. Thank you, good sir. I appreciate it. Jonathan Hood. On ESPN 1000. We thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Our thanks to Jesse Rogers and Jerry Azuma for being with us. Show produced by Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. Saturday and Sunday, join Jeff Dickerson and I for Dickerson and Hood. We'll be on 3 o'clock on Saturday, 3 o'clock on Sunday. You can't miss us. You're driving around. You're busy in the afternoon. Check us out 3 to 6 on Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPN 1000. If you don't catch me this weekend, how about Monday night, 7 to 10 right here on ESPN 1000. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk this weekend. If not, how about Monday right here on UTH? Jonathan Hood. I'm so good. On ESPN 1000.